Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Consciouspreneur. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and today I am so grateful to be able to share this time with Claudia Rocafort. Let me tell you a little about Claudia. She is um, an amazing human being. She describes herself as the conscious communicator, which for the conscious entrepreneur, I I can't wait to get into this. Um, She shows executives, entrepreneurs, and individuals how to up-level their leadership and achieve extraordinary results. So for more than 15 years as a communications consultant, executive coach, and entrepreneurial coach, she's worked with C-suite executives, department heads, smaller expanding uh, companies, and even Fortune 500 companies such as Legal Momentum, UN Women, and Microsoft. Claudia was, uh, is also an actress on TV off-Broadway and has multiple broad broadcast platforms over two decades. She brings a unique set of powerful, proven communication techniques that translate to any walk of life and that enable people to deliver impactful communication that gets the results that they want. Claudia, this is amazing. This <laughs> is amazing. So the first thing that, that jumps out at me as I'm, as I'm listening to this is oftentimes I think of leadership and I think of business as being... Um, kind of in a box, masculine energy kind of thing. There's structure mm-hmm. to that. And then you're bringing in this um, acting experience and background, which to me is on the other side of the spectrum. It's it's flowing energy. It's creating energy. Um, and yeah. you are both of these in one human being. And, and I'm so honored to be able to share this conversation and learn from you today. Oh, thank you so much. I am honored to be here and to have an opportunity to share this space with you and to talk a little bit to your audience and with your audience and share um, some of these experiences because truthfully, yes, even though corporate America, we can say is much more sort of um, left-brained or, you know, or right-brained, you know, very left-brained actually, and very masculine-dominated There is such a shift, I believe, towards what conscious leadership is doing and what we need to shift nowadays, why people are looking towards conscious leaders and why, truthfully, soft skills have become the new power skills. It's, you know, what's shifting is that we need more of the yin energy with the yang energy. And that balance, that harmony is what's most effective. And so, yeah, it's, it's a balance of bringing in honesty, integrity, to bringing in empathy and communication, to bringing in teamwork skills. If I can, as a leader, as a CEO of a company, see that everybody in my team or everybody that's working in the company is fulfilling their best unique tasks, if each person were playing the role that they fit best, that they're most suited for, how much more effective would that company be? How much more could they produce? <laughs> right? Right. And, and we're producing consciously about, like, how are we creating an effect in the world? And are we supporting a world 
you know, are we creating the services and the kind of messaging and the kind of connection with our audience and with our clients that leave a legacy, that means something, that I think, I think those shifts are the most empowering way that, that I foresee our future headed. I think so too. And, and I think that uh, coming out of this worldwide pandemic it, it is one, the, one of the gifts of that, I think, is that it showed us just how broken a lot of our systems are, right? Mm-hmm. We couldn't ignore it. We couldn't just look the other way anymore. It was in our face and we had to do something about it. Um, so we were in this space now as we're rebuilding, how, who do we want to be next, who do I want as a company? Who do I want to be as a leader? Who do I want to be? We, it's a reset button. That's how I see it. And so I, that's what is so important to me about getting this word out about conscious entrepreneurship and conscious leadership and conscious communications, because I think that is the path that is going to get us to where we really want to be. Agreed completely. And, and that's why I'm so inspired to be here. <laughs> yes, Exactly. We need more of this. Yes, tell me. We do, we do. So before we get into the nitty gritty, because I love to get into that, I, I, I first want to know about you. Um, so tell me a little bit about your background and, and how you found yourself now in this conscious communication space. Certainly. Well, I have a very diverse background and I like to think of myself a bit as a, as a Renaissance woman. I've had so many passions and likes throughout my life, but since I was a child, it was always the creative and the performance and the healing and, and the supporting other human beings. And so it was medicine and the arts. That was sort of my path. And I think that my path took took a bit of a turn when I was about 18 and I had a very personal, very deep loss um, that also uh, meant that I survived an accident that for all intents and purposes, I shouldn't be here. And it made me question everything in my life. It made me question why I was here, what was the purpose. So it sent me on a path of grief, loss, guilt, all of, all of the dark things but also all of the search for understanding philosophy, understanding religion, understanding the esoteric, the metaphysical, the creative, trying to find the things that I was passionate about that I could do in life that would make me feel like, okay, there's a purpose to being here, right? And this kind of culminated, took me back to the stage. I lived in New York. I was a performer for many years. I loved being on stage off Broadway in New York, and I got to do commercials, and that sort of was my bread and butter so that I could do the stage. <laughs> and then in that process, I was introduced to a phenomenal man. His name is Edmund Bingham, who had been a coach for 30 years, and he had lost his only son. And heartbreaking. Um, at that time, I was working with a, a spiritual teacher and a spiritual guide. And the friend who introduced us thought, you know, there's there's something about your energies that's interesting, that's similar. And in this lunch, I remember sitting there. We finished lunch. We had dessert. And we continued the conversation through dinner in the same restaurant. It was unbelievable. And he said to me at one point, he said, Claudia, I think that you are an innate teacher. And 
you know, whether you realize it or not, I would love to show you what I do through my coaching and my consulting. I'd love to give you a session and see if you like this and, and see what you can do with this. I thought, gosh, yes, I love to learn new things. I'd love to try this. Sure enough, we did a session and I fell in love with the process. I saw things about myself that I hadn't seen before. I saw how it was like this huge aha moment. I was looking at myself because he, he taped the, the, the session and he asked me to watch it afterwards. And I sat there in awe and thinking, wow, these are the tools and this is all of what I've learned in my past that can be of benefit and can apply through the coaching and all of the things that I want to learn that I haven't learned. Right. <laughs> so it was this aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're coming to this conversation, this lunch, having yes. a background of searching uh, and yes. exploration. And then you have this, this coaching experience with him and it's an aha for you. It's an absolute aha for me. Was it, was, mm-hmm. did it, did it help you kind of pull together everything that you had been researching and exploring and, and did it kind of make all of those pieces make sense or, or not what was yet. the relationship? Not yet. not yet. Okay. Okay. So it opened up the possibility of Another way that I could be of service through what I had learned thus far, meaning my years in front of a camera, my years on a stage, how to translate that into empowering another human being to feel excited to be in, 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 and speak publicly and not feel that panic and not feel that stage fright and to empower a leader that had a phenomenal message. I particularly remember I was working with one of the oldest organizations of women's rights. And we were working with her leader at the time and a speech that she was giving as the company was shifting and rebranding and changing names and being able to work with her and empower her and help her deliver that message with integrity, with honesty, and with the certainty and the calmness to inspire other people, it made me feel a little part of that message. And it made me feel like I had something to do with creating that or empowering that. And that was so wonderful. It was so beautiful to me that something that I had learned and that I could translate into empowering another human being to give their best, especially for a company that was empowering women, was working with women, and was a a message that was very dear to my heart. So I saw an opportunity. It opened up my eyes into, beyond being a performer and being an actor, how I could actually teach, how I could incorporate these things into another world that wasn't necessarily my world, right? And bring it into the corporate world and use those tools that I had and those skills that I had. Plus, I had been considering doing a master's in psychology at the time. I had been doing several courses and I had been working on myself to heal and to grow and to be able to deal with my grief and to be able to deal with my depression. So I had done a lot of personal work that I could bring into as just background knowledge into coaching and supporting other human beings. And so it opened up all of a sudden these possibilities for me, right? That I had never considered. And I fell in love with the process. 
I, I fell in love with the process. And it took a while for me to get to the point of saying, wow, this is not only something that I love, but it is my mission and my purpose. Mm-hmm. I love being, isn't there something amazing about being aligned with your purpose that just Incredibly opens so, yeah. <laughs> up everything else. Um, the, yes. it's, it, it's something that I'm experiencing now too with this conscious entrepreneur um, mission and, and, and movement. Um, it, it just, you know, all of the other things that I've done up until now, like it's about, been about doing, not so much about being, right? And, and, and trying to get my being from my doing. This is, I flipped it around. I'm being first and then the, the doing kind of shows up. What do I need to do next? And I was describing this to my admin this morning. Like, I don't know. I I know where I want to go, but I don't see the path between where I am now and where I want to be. And I know that really all I have to do is just take that next step and the next step is going to show up. Take the next step and the next step is going to show up. Exactly. And there's something so liberating about that. And I love that you brought that up because if you see my banner on LinkedIn, it and precisely my resume says, how do you go from where you are to where you want to be? Yeah. And it's precisely that alignment of essence of your true self with your vision and your mission and your purpose that then creates the steps, the clear path of, okay, once I know who I am truthfully, clearly, what I have going for me, what I love to do and how I can be of service and be remunerated for that. Right. When you have something called Ikigai, it's that sweet spot of perfection between all of the things, right, that you came to do and be and have within you that can also be of service and where you can also make a, a living. And that is that's just it. That's the, that's the bullseye. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and everything flows from that. And again, we know that the conscious entrepreneur is, is driven by purpose. We have an intention uh, to, to support. And, and the more clear we are on exactly what that looks like, who, who are we serving, what's the problem that we solve, um, and we align with that, we feel it. It's, it's, an, it's an energy, right? You feel that connection. And it's like a magnet, you know, when two magnets are on a table and they, they're, they're kind of close to each other. And when they get, yeah, then it just slams together. That's yeah. kind of how it felt to me. <laughs> oh, amazing. I love that. I love that. Well, I, I, I understand what you mean and, and how you're feeling because more and more this, this is exactly what I, I feel for myself as well. And what being in alignment allows you to feel, allows everybody to feel. There's a joy and a flow and an easiness. Not that it isn't hard work sometimes, but there's an ease to it because there's a passion, there's a drive, there's a clarity, there's a purpose that um, is inspiring and it's motivating. And I think there's trust. There's trust that that path that I don't see right now is going to show up for me. Yes, the right people yes, are going to yes. show up for me. The right opportunities are going to show up for me. I, I think I'm recovering uh, from being over controlling, right? Uh, right. <laughs> I and, love and, that. And yes, so, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. So, so 
I thought that I had to always have everything always planned out. And when you live your life believing, first of all, that you have to have everything planned out, then you have to know a lot. And you can never know enough, in my opinion, to really know uh, how to plan. And then you set, you put a plan together. And then two minutes later down the road, something goes sideways. And your plan now is out the door. It's like, okay, now what do I do? So that way of living was not working for me. It was creating a lot of stress for me. Um, no satisfaction. Yeah, and so I can imagine. Right. And so <laughs> I, I think we're both in this space really of, of helping our clients move, let that go. Maybe because I know for me, like, how can I possibly let this go? How can I possibly not map this out? How am I ever going to get there? But it's that trust, whatever you want to call that, what you decide what, what you're placing your trust in, whether it's God or, or, uh, you know, whatever your deity is or, or the universe it's trust in something bigger than yourself. Yes. And and truthfully, that has been for me what has given me the strength and the motivation to, to get to this point. Um, there were so many hard, dark moments for me, really dark and really difficult. And that faith, and, it, and it's not even a, a religious faith, it's a spiritual faith. It's an understanding that there is an energy, there's a life force. And when you can align with that flow, that energy life force has got your back. It's there to support you. And if we can trust it and allow it, it'll manifest. It does. It really it does. does. And, it, and it's funny that we say that because, boy, did I like having certain things planned. I was never a big, big planner because, of course, as a creative and as an actor, sure. know, every day. I mean, my agent would call me at 8 o'clock at night. Claudia, you have an audition tomorrow. Claudia, you need to get on the plane tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So now I'm filming in Mexico. Fantastic. Let's go. Right. Right. And it was, exciting and it was adventurous. <laughs> but Having any plan for a vacation or anything like that, the sure thing, if I wasn't working, I'd plan a vacation for sure. I'd book a job. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd have to re right. reschedule the vacation. Yeah. Then it shifted. And then I became a, you know, time management guru kind of, you know, this was my obsession, how I could time manage. And I started teaching workshops about it. And I was a single mom juggling three careers. So I needed to find a way to make it work. Right. And I found time blocking, and that was my salvation. And I studied eight different methods of time management. Then I realized, you know what? You've got to leave buffers for things to flow. So now I block my schedule, but I also realize the universe is going to take me wherever it needs to take me and wherever I'm needed the most at any given moment. And it's not necessarily what I planned. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Two years ago, I thought... I'm going back to my acting full-time. I moved to LA and five months later, COVID hit, the industry shut down and I didn't have a job. Right. Wow. So, so you're out now as a single mother in California. Yes, exactly. Without, a, without any work. Without any work. And two coaching clients, thank God, who were in Miami. <laughs> okay. So. Oh, sure. A time <laughs> yes. zone. Four hours is a big chunk of time zone difference. Yeah. Yeah, the three hour, yeah, three hours, almost four hours. Sometimes it felt 
very, you know, but at least the irony was I wanted to leave Miami. I didn't see how I could support the acting here or building my business here and having both of my world, meaning my acting and my coaching. And so I thought, okay, move back to New York or move to LA. And I thought, well, at this point, it's not as easy to do stage and I want to spend the evenings with my son. So I'd like more of an outdoor life. I want more of the sporty life. My son wanted to learn to surf. Boy, let's go do LA. Fantastic. And it didn't work out that way. Ironically, I even applied for a coaching job with another company whose, whose philosophy I thought was brilliant and I felt very aligned with. And I thought, great, I can support them. We can really open things up here. All these things. None of it panned out that way. And it's interesting how I had to come back to Miami. I had a, I had a medical scare. Okay. The day that they told me that they were not, that the, they couldn't give me an offer for the job. I also got back a, a result from a doctor who said we found a tumor. Oh boy. And, mm -hmm, and I thought, went into panic and I thought, my goodness, what do I do now? Well, I need to go home. I need to go back to Miami where I have the support, where I have my family clothes, where my son has his dad. And God forbid, this is bad news. He will have all the support he needs. So I got in my car within a week, packed up my life, put it in storage, drove cross country. And not knowing and not trusting, but just you know, had to kind of say, okay, here we go. Uh, guide me, show me what's the path. And I got here and thank the universe. The tumor was benign. And this has allowed me to have that aha moment. I was in tears, being grateful, thinking, okay, why did I wait 11 years to move out to LA to find myself there for two years without a job and having to move back? why did I have to go through this? What was the point of all of this? And as I was sitting here in the benefit of looking at the ocean and being in this beautiful weather and this beautiful city for what it's worth, I realized, you know what? I have the opportunity right now to build my business, not just as a referral, not just as, as a small thing that I do aside from my acting, but really as a way to support others. And I want to not just do one-on-one, -on -one, but I want to do workshops so that I can get to more people and be of service to more people and spread the message a little wider and a little farther. And I had this moment of, oh boy, Lord, I have no idea why you brought me back. <laughs> but I came back with a different perspective. I saw all the things that I missed. I saw all the things that I had as a benefit around me that I hadn't been noticing before, or I had stopped, I had stopped being grateful for and started taking for granted. And so just that shift in mindset shifts the way that I perceive my reality now, the way that I go about my business, the way that I put energy into what I'm doing. And I think, okay, well, you know what? I had all these plans. <laughs> now I'm going with the flow with where I am right now and who do I get to be right now? And what do I get to do with this? I love those <laughs> questions. I love, love those questions. So so let's go back to um, that 
lunch that went into the evening and, and you have this great partnership now with this guy who's going to teach you his coaching uh, strategies, methodologies, you have a shift. Now you, you did other things that also facilitated a shift. And, and we've kind of talked about some of those shifts that you've, you've made. Where does the communication piece come into this for you? Oh, yes. Well, it was precisely what Edmund taught. He was a communications consultant. He taught me his methodology and we started to teach it as uh, in New York in different corporations. And the big question for him was getting people to become aware of what they say, how they say it, and why they say it. And that in the measure in which anybody corporate, personally, uh, professionally, whether you were the CEO of the company or whether you were the head of HR, whether you were an employee and part of a team, right? In the measure in which you become conscious of what you're saying and why you're saying it, you begin to empower your choices and you begin to be able to shift whether there's anything you want to shift. If you're not aware of it, you can't shift anything. Right. The minute right. you say, wow, you know, I really ramble and I'm not listening to anybody else, or I'm not giving the other person a turn to talk, or I'm really quiet and I'm, you know, I really wish I had spoken up and I should have said this and I didn't and I'm resentful for it and it's brewing inside of me for a week until I explode. <laughs> All of those things that we unfortunately do because we're not listening to ourselves and we're not aware and connecting what we're thinking with what we're feeling and what, how other people are communicating around us is triggering us or helping us or making us react. Right. Right. And so we tend to react rather than choose to act because we never learn to stop and say, how do I want to respond versus, oh, you said this to me? How dare you say this to me? You know, <laughs> like, wait a second. So nobody taught us this. These are these are tools that I wish we grew up with in schools and that I wish we grew up with and, and had in college, at least to prepare us for the workforce. But no, we're not taught any of these tools. And so for me, the the idea that communication is not something that is being really taught as a required Mm-hmm. referendum <laughs> kind uh, of thing. Yes. You know, um, it baffles me because truthfully, it is the single most important thing that will create the quality of our connections and the quality of our relations and the quality of our ability to get what we want until we learn to convey it in a way that enforces those connections, enforces healthy relationships, and, and reinforces our ability to say, okay, I'm sorry, let me take a step back, let me hear you, let me ask you a clarifying question, and let me make sure I understand you before I react. So that it's not my perception or it's not a word that triggered me or it's not that you said to me what my mom used to say to me when I was a kid when she was grounding me. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. All of that plays into our experience, doesn't it? Un- un- if we're unconscious, all of that plays into our experience. Um, you know, I remember one time, and I don't remember who it was, but um, 
you know, when, when somebody, when our, somebody talks the way to us, the way our mother did, right. When we were being scolded or we were in trouble, all it takes is someone to use that same tone of voice, maybe that same, a, a key word. And we're automatically transported back to that five-year-old version of ourselves that's getting yelled at because we did something wrong. And we feel like that five-year-old version of ourselves. Yeah. And what does that produce? Guilt, shame, um, or, or, you know, sometimes wanting to fight back, sometimes wanting to yell back. Uh, so automatically we get an emotional response. And what ends up happening is that, and this I'm going to get into a tiny little bit of biology, but what ends up happening is that our oldest part of our brain, the back of our brain, right, our animal brain responds into fight or flight. The prefrontal cortex of our brain, which you know very well, <laughs> right, is the kind of um, leader of, you know, more conscious and more regulated behaviors and calmer choices and all of planning. those things. Planning. <laughs> planning happens up here. Yeah, yes. choosing how to respond, you know, maturely being able to, to have a conversation, even if we're emotionally triggered. What ends up happening is if we are emotionally triggered, that prefrontal cortex shuts down because our fight or flight is over. It's out of the picture. <laughs> it's like trying to talk to a two-year-old who's having a tantrum. I mean, there's no reason. It goes out the window. And what degree of that happens to us as adults depends on how badly we're triggered into fight or flight. So we want to fight back or we want to run away. Right. And that doesn't mean for reasons and choices <laughs> in, 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 a, in a work scenario or, or, or in a conversation with a boss or with a team, right? It doesn't really allow for very conscious choices until we make this conscious. Exactly. And, and there's such a hangover, too. Once our nervous system has been triggered into that fight or flight um, response, it takes sometimes hours the hours after the perceived threat is gone. And, and again, most of the times our, our threats now are within our own head. It's the stories that we're telling ourselves. And so as long as we keep rehashing that same story, our body stays in that fight or flight. And, and we're just not capable of, of showing up the way that we probably would want to be able to show up. Um, until we stop telling ourselves that story, stop that stimulus, give our nervous system a chance to, to settle down, then we can now come back with that prefrontal cortex back online and uh, manage the situation differently. And accessible to us because it stops being accessible to us for a bit, right? And like you said, it may take hours between the cortisol and the adrenaline and all of the other um, neurotransmitters that are flowing through our body this part, this, this logical mediator is gone. <laughs> so, and you're leading me to a really, really important aspect of this, which is the stories that we're telling ourselves. And that's huge, Mary. That's, that's so important because that brings me to, to one of the things that I love to share and talk about and, and where I think we all can benefit from becoming more conscious about this is that there's a big difference between the facts and our perception of the facts. And our perception of the facts 
are driven by our emotions, are driven by how we were taught to see reality, what our parents' beliefs were, what we think is right, what we think is wrong, how our culture, our religion, our teachers molded us to some degree. Our life molded the way we see reality. And people think, well, this is just reality. Well, not exactly. (laughs) Not exactly. We are perceiving our reality depending on some of our beliefs and how we were taught to perceive it. So I like to equate this to kind of having, you know, four different people in four corners of the block seeing a accident. They're each going to tell you their truth, the facts, the reality of what happened. But it's limited to their perspective, their point of view from the angle at which they saw that happen. And so one of the things that I love to, and and I give this as a pointer to everybody that I can talk to about conscious communication, is notice the difference. If you could tell a story of something that happened to you, if you could keep the facts away and separate from your perception of the facts. So for example, I love to use this example. Uh, You have a meeting with somebody at one o'clock, a client or or a partner or a team member, and they constantly show up late. And this time they arrived at 1.15. And you've been sitting there patiently for 15 minutes waiting for them without really being able to get your work done because you decided to meet at the cafeteria instead of meeting at your office. (laughs) By this point, you're frustrated, you're ready to snap or to say something that may not be the most productive way to handle the situation. And emotionally, you may respond and say, you know, I'd really appreciate if you show up on time. I can't believe you always show up late. And we tend to kind of, if it's happened once before, then you always show up late. <laughs> always. Right? Yes. No more triggering never. words. Than- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always <laughs> and never. The, yes. Those two words get thrown in a lot. Oh my goodness. And they're such huge emotional triggers and people don't real, stop and realize it. And we, we repeat those, right? But it, rarely is there ever an always or never. Rarely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one in a million or it's one in a hundred thousand, right? And so instead, could we use that and say, wait a second, something may have happened in her life that she had to show up late. Can I, instead of reacting, ask, you know, I've been waiting for you for the last 15 minutes and I was wondering if you were okay. I was getting worried. Um, That's one way to put it. There's another way to simply ask, you know, when you show up late, it triggers me and it makes me feel like my time is not valuable. Mm -hmm. Would it be okay if I asked you to please show up on time because it affects the rest of my meetings going forward? And I don't want to show up late to my clients. Right. So this shifts the conversation in terms of how we can ask for things, how we can create this consciously rather than going into the automatic, you know, response, but also the perception of, how I see that person, the fact that she showed up 15 minutes late, my belief, my perception then goes into she's not valuing my time. 
She's taking me for granted. Mm-hmm. She does, has no respect for me. <laughs> That's the story. And the question is, we rarely tell ourselves really powerful, empowering stories. Our, our inner radio, right, is rarely trained to say, oh, yeah, no, you're wonderful and you're showing up great. <laughs> right. She, she, you're, you're in the good, you're in a good space. You're right where you need to be. No, that, rarely, rarely by default. Rarely. That rarely by, by default, default, that's in our system. Yes. No, but we may go into blame. Oh, it's not my fault. You showed up late. You always show up late. You did the wrong. And so neither one of those are supportive to conscious relationships, to healthy conscious relationships. And so when we can differentiate, okay, the fact is you just showed up 15 minutes late. Our values of time are different, right? So if I can have a conversation clearly and say, this affects me emotionally this way, or it affects my day because then I may need to show up late and or not be able to complete what we set out to complete during our time together. Right. You know, and, and even then, I think we have an... And, yeah. And even <laughs> then, it's hard. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It is. I, I was just going to say, even then, um, we have an opportunity to take responsibility for what comes next. Yes. Right? And so I, I really caution um, my clients against that you made me such and such, whether it's a feeling or, or an outcome. Somebody else put it to me really beautifully. You may have hit my, pushed my buttons, but I put the button there. Right. And so when we're true, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it is possible that someone else's behavior can trigger us, push our buttons, whatever kind of language we want to use around that. And yet I'm still, I'm responsible for the, I, it's my button, right? It's my trigger. And I can, I can choose to override this. I can let go, that go with some work. It'll, it'll take some time, uh, but it's possible. Exactly. Self-awareness. That's exactly right. Yeah. So and communication is, I'd love to, is, uh, <laughs> I'd love to tag onto what you were saying, because one thing that I, that I love to share is. I am responsible for what I say and how I say it. I cannot be responsible for how you interpret it or what you choose to do with it. So again, if I go into blaming you, I'm not taking responsibility. I'm also not clarifying what I need. Now I can be emotionally triggered, but I can respectfully share that and say, could you please be more mindful and Let's show up on time. Right, right. I mean, we can certainly ask for what we need and ask for what we want. Exactly. But we have to know what that is. And, and, and I was having a conversation around this kind of uh, topic of do you know what you want uh, with a client recently. And, and I had shared that uh, when my birthday came up last year and, and someone in my family said, well, what is it you want for your birthday? And, and I was just not in a space at all to be thinking about what I want. Um, and I was triggered. Like it hit my button of like, why do I have to come up with what? I don't even want anything, right? Why do I have to come up for something for you? Um, and that's when I really realized like, well, Mary, why don't you know what you want? 
Why don't you know? Why aren't you thinking about what you want? Um, and and so I think that's a whole nother conversation that we can have, right? Is, about why is it? Very interesting one that definitely has a lot to do with us not listening to our needs, not being taught to listen to our needs. Absolutely, absolutely. So we don't. Uh, yes, let's let's put knowing what we We're want. That could be another conversation. Next one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Put that over here. But but I think it comes back to this listening, and and I wanted to come back. You had mentioned this earlier in our conversation about listening, listening to our stories. This is something that I, I was taught to do during my transformational uh, journey is, is to listen to my stories. This is what I teach my clients to do. And this is what I hear you teach your clients to do is to listen to those stories. They're fascinating. Well, and it's, and it's fascinating to be able to, if you can, right, look at, can you write that story with just the facts without the interpretation of what those facts meant for you? Yes. Now, I used to, and and because I've had a lot of loss in my life and some very deep and, and some traumatic, um, dramatic losses, I felt very much like a victim of circumstances, like a victim of, of, of certain things in my life. And for all the years that I'd done self-help and psychology and therapy and empowered myself as a coach and became a coach and trained and all these things I had not been able to fully understand and shake the victim mentality. And it took me one course that was just one of those aha moments that was brilliant when I, the exercise was to tell the story and to tell one of the most traumatic stories of your life through laughter. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Make it funny. I was like, you've got to be kidding me, right? And and then share the same story with zero emotion. I thought, wow, okay. It took me through a journey of being able to have that aha moment and say, wow, the story will change depending on how I tell it. And that was that aha moment of me being able to see, wow, the perception that I imbue into the facts will change the story. Now, and these facts that changes, happen. and then it changes your emotional reaction too. Completely, completely. So I was able to say, okay, this happened. There's, there's no taking it back. It happened. It was, it was painful. It was difficult. It was losing people that I adored and loved and were incredibly meaningful in my life. But I don't need to continue to be a victim because of it. I don't need to have a mentality where it's poor me because from that mentality, I can't change anything. I have no power. I am at a loss constantly. And therefore, I either blame circumstances, I blame other people, or I blame the situation and I can't do anything about it. And this was one of the most life-altering things for me is that there is this differentiation between what we call above-the-line behavior and below-the-line behavior. Above-the-line behavior is when we can turn around and say, okay, how did I co-create this? How did I participate in allowing this to happen on some level? How do I take responsibility for my part 
and how then I can choose to act according to what I want to create or according to my values or according to my beliefs versus I am a victim, poor me, it's their fault, it's life's fault, it's Miami's fault, it's all the things, right? Or I shame somebody else or I, I, I go into a guilt trip and therefore I can't do anything from there either. It doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't empower or serve anyone. And that shift in mindset was the biggest awareness, conscientious, <laughs> lightning moment for me that liberated the way that I could talk to myself and look at my story versus the facts. And how do I want to now use that in conversation with other people? Can I have a conversation from, instead of, I feel this, now what do I want to do about it? And I can ask you for what I'd like. Doesn't mean you have to give it to me. Not at all. But I can ask for what I would like. And I put it out there as an adult, as a conscientious communicator, right? And I can walk away without the blame, the guilt, the shame, the anger, and all of the other things that were the previous patterns. Right. And, and you're, you're out of that, that victim um, space. You've you owned it. You've taken responsibility for it. And now you're in that, that creative space. That's where the, where you see uh, where that path shows up for you. Right. And where the magic happens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the, where the magic begins to happen, because if you, you know, at first it's hard, it's, it's very easy to fall back into the old pattern. And it's, and it's interesting because a lot of times we don't even realize that we are using, I feel as another way to blame somebody else. That's I feel right. that you don't listen to me. Well, that's, that's not right. a That's not a feeling. <laughs> that's just a good way to, you know, a nicer way to blame me. <laughs> No, no. I feel hurt. Okay. I feel sad. I feel frustrated. Yes, that's a feeling. But I feel that Nancy doesn't get me, or I feel that Nancy always arrives late, or I feel that Susan does this. That's just another way of blame. So that's another story. Exactly. That's another story. And so there's these little things that we don't necessarily always realize that, you know, they're, they're kind of sneaky ploys <laughs> of the old patterns. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, before we uh, close on this topic, I want to come back to this piece about listening to ourselves. Yes. Um, when I started listening to myself, I was shocked at how I was talking to myself. Oh. Like yeah. beating myself up. Um, mercilessly. <laughs> and so for me, one of the, and, and I, I want to make this point for the listeners is that when you do start listening to yourself and you do start to hear how you are talking to yourself, there needs to be ample grace, ample compassion. Ample. <laughs> yes. There can't ample. be enough. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly it. Becoming a conscious leader, a conscious entrepreneur, a conscious communicator, it starts with the self. It doesn't start from the outside in. It starts from the inside out. 
And when we start to listen to that conversation in their minds, it's kind of like it's a radio station and you can't quite change the tune, right? (laughs) And you realize, wow, the kind of vibration more often is critical. The kind of conversation is you didn't do that well enough. You're not good enough. They don't get it. You can't. Why, why do you think anybody's going to want to listen to what you have to say? You, who says who? You're a leader. You know, the imposter syndrome kicks in. All of these negative things. And for every, there's a study. And, and one of my teachers in one of these courses, it's called Essence of Being. And it's one of those also life transformation courses, um, did a study for every four positive comments that we make to ourselves or positive words that we make to ourselves, we hear growing up approximately 131 negative ones. Wow. So for every time we get a yes as a little kid, we got 131 no's. Okay. Well, that's going to shape your beliefs, your values, and your expectations. Hugely. Hugely. So imagine, no, don't touch this. No, you're going to hurt yourself. No, you're going to fall. No, you're going to this. No, you're going to get that wrong. No, you're going to break it. No, you're going to. Wow. Now, of course, our parents are doing that out of fear and out of protection. But the conversation doesn't necessarily shift in our inner child and in our mind. That's what we learned. So that self-talk has to begin with, like you said, massive amounts of grace and compassion and understanding that it's not to blame our parents or it's not to blame society and it's not to blame the teacher who said X, Y, or Z to me, but it's to understand that we kept some of these beliefs that have become limiting, that we're finally ready to let them go and that we're finally able and consciously aware of them enough to say, wow, this is not really serving me anymore. I think I'm ready to change that tune. And then we can begin the empowering journey of saying, Ooh, I'm ready to change that radio station. <laughs> exactly. I, I can do this. I have value. I have unique talents that somebody else needs and that will serve another human being. And I'm good at this, or I'm good at that, and I'm ready to own it. Isn't that a much better conversation? <laughs> I think that is a beautiful punctuation at the end of this conversation. We're ready to own it because nothing happens until we own it. And once we own it, everything else is available to us. Yes, absolutely. And that's where listening And acknowledging and that self-awareness builds that consciousness. And that is why I I go back to that conscious communication. It's the beginning. It's like, it's like Casablanca. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship (laughs) right? with yourself and with everyone around you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The beginning of the transformation. That's why listening and communication is so important. Absolutely. And again, most of us are not taught this. So if you, you know, as the listener is saying, oh gosh, don't, don't beat yourself up if you're not there or if, if you're hearing things today, like, oh, I don't know that, or I'm not doing that. 
it's okay. Where you are now is exactly where you need to be. And you have an opportunity to make a choice today. Who do you want to be in this next moment? Who do you want to be in the next conversation? Who do you want to be for the rest of this week? You get to make those choices once you own it. Absolutely. And, and again, we also get to ask for help. If it hadn't been for the years of therapy, coaches, reading, learning, courses, workshops that I've done, I wouldn't have learned it either. And so nowadays, that's precisely why I say it is my mission and my purpose to pay this forward, to share it, to use that knowledge and the years of work that I've done in myself and, and the transformations that have occurred for me to pass that on to my clients and to work with people, whether it's personally or whether it's professionally, whether it's entrepreneurs or whether it's corporations, it's, it's life-changing. And if you're interested in doing this kind of work for yourself, I'm here to support. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh my goodness. I am, I knew, I know I said this at the beginning of the call, and I'm going to say it again now. I am so grateful for you on owning your gifts and your talents and for being willing to share those not only with us today, but with all of the people that you touch. Um, you, you really are a special human being. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. It's been a pleasure to share this space with you. <laughs> so in the show notes, um, how, um, how would you want people to get a hold of you? Oh, absolutely. Well, I think I can send you a little opt-in where people can get some tips and ideas. Perfect. Also, um, there's an opt-in in in my website, claudiarocafortcoaching.com. That's Rocafort is R-O-C-A-F-O-R-T, coaching.com, claudiarocafortcoaching.com. And there's also a scheduler. You can find me on LinkedIn. So you can always schedule a connection call or a discovery call with me if you want more information or if you'd like to see how this could support you and or your business. Excellent. Thank you again, Claudia. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Mary. Pleasure is all mine. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast. We're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high-achieving, impact-focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction, all rolled up into a community-driven, inspirational launch pad. We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.